We welcome you into another episode of Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein, host of SiriusXM's Cars and Culture on Business Channel 132. Automotive suppliers are increasingly feeling market pressure to combat a host of challenges that might not have been as prevalent in prior years. Today, light vehicle sales are at their lowest point in a decade. The age of vehicles is increasing, and there's a complexity around the new EV development, as well as pitfalls in quality and delivery of components. It's a host of issues, and that doesn't count legislative pressures and now a looming strike potential at the Detroit 3 automakers. These are just a number of trends that Rockwell Automation is watching as the world turns to a highly complex industry. Anthony Murphy is at the center of it all. Anthony is Vice President and Head of Product Management for the Application Group at Plex by Rockwell Automation and is responsible for Plex's core customer-facing products such as ERP, MES, and QMS. Today, he talks about automation, global trends, and provides a few answers around the complexities of an ever-changing industry. He's my guest today on Automotive Insiders. What a pleasure to have you on the program, Anthony. Welcome in to Automotive Insiders. Thanks, Jason. It's good to be here again. Good to see you. Nice to see you. Well, our theme is going digital to keep the lines moving, and I want to dig into some of that. But let's start off with what are the new market pressures that you're seeing and hearing and feeling on automotive suppliers in order to maintain some of those current vehicles while supporting a lot of new product releases? And of course, we've seen so much of that now um, as the as the market changes over in, in numerous ways, especially from a technology powertrain perspective. But what are those new market pressures that you can share with us? Yeah, I mean, there are, uh, are a bunch, and I'm sure the listeners would be able to empathize with it. You know, I think it, it, it spans a couple of things. You know, first is if you look at the light vehicle sales recently, uh, it's about 13.8 million in the U.S. in 2022, which is, is frankly the lowest it's been um, in a decade. And so like you think about the pressures just in terms of what the vehicle sales are, what's already out there in the market. But the, the average vehicle age now is something like 12 and a half years. So consumers are holding on to the vehicles longer. Um, which, which drives all sorts of uh, issues inside of the supply chain and, and sort of forecast volatility. But not only that, you start to think about what it looks like to maintain one of those vehicles for 12 and a half years. Uh, and so those are some of the big, the big things that, to think about. And so, and even if you look at some of the forecasts over the next couple of years, it's something like 15.4, we expect a million vehicles this year, 15.8 in 2024, getting up maybe to 16 and a half in 2025. And so again, we're just seeing this sort of uh, this sort of shift and change and vehicles staying on the road longer, longer maintenance cycles, more aftermarket capabilities. And so I think that's one of the really key factors and the trends there. The other thing is, is automotive manufacturers, um, you know, whether it's in the supply chain or the OEMs, um, you know, they're in they're in two worlds right now, right? You've got the, the ICE vehicles as well as the EV. And so using uh, trying to get as much efficiency as the out of the ICE vehicles and using those funds to drive the the EV growth and the investments in EV. And so it's this really interesting dynamic to have to like really focus hard down on margin on one side of the business and be laser focused. Um, but on the other side, really thinking about innovation and growth and a growing complexity of the supply chain with new materials and frankly, scarcity of materials, if you think about some of the things that are going into batteries. And so Again, dealing with some of these constraints on the on the side of the business that you're trying to optimize margin to fuel some of the growth 
uh, on the EV side and the innovation side. Very so a lot to a lot to deal with. Very much one foot in one world and one foot in another, right? And it's it's hard to maintain any business with yeah. with a with a dual focus, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you 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 literally have to completely shift your mindset um, and think about things differently. And and you see this with some of the OEMs who are really doing a great job. I feel like to you know to really adopt and adapt to the to the new EV trends. Um, but you can't take the same approach that you did to an ICE vehicle as you did to EV. The complexity is is just completely different. The supply chains, even though you're using some of the same suppliers, are different. Um, but even things like wiring harnesses, right, which, you know, OEMs know about and have been dealing with for decades, right, are completely different in the EV market. And so you've heard some of the OEMs talk about like, well, we went reverse engineer and we found that, you know, we had just done the wiring harnesses for EVs completely wrong and had to find a way to not only pull out um, pull out costs, but pull out time and, and likewise just pull out the overall length to make these things work. And so it's an example of some of the challenges and again the differences of you know what we've always done and what we know how to do versus um, you know making this completely completely new product and so it is uh, it is definitely uh, definitely a challenge what's the effect on new vehicle quality uh, as a result of the market shift Anthony yeah it's it's uh, it's pretty significant I mean if you think about you know even some of those those things we we're just talking about um, it, it's a completely new paradigm, completely new way of manufacturing a vehicle, um, and, and again, different supply chain with a global supply chain and increasing regulatory um, constraints. And so it has a, a fairly healthy amount of pitfalls for quality, right? Suppliers not being able to deliver the EV components. Um, you think about what the sort of market volatility is for EVs. There's a bunch of legislative pressure around EV as well, um, as you think about what, you know, if we look at what's happening in Europe and so sort of tracking and tracing all of the materials that going into that uh, and then having to map back to like the, the actual, uh, not only the component, but into the, the mine that it came from and then trace all the way down in and then the recycling back. Um, so you take all of those things, those are all potential hiccups and issues for quality, coupled with the labor challenges, right? Whether it's a potential labor strike, whether it's the fact that, you know, getting uh, skilled labor and retaining skilled labor is a challenge. And how do I, you know, get somebody who's only been here for, you know, 20 minutes to be able to produce with the same quality and productivity as someone's been here in 20 years. And so that shift, right, being able to like, I have to make something that is completely unique, even though it kind of looks the same, um, uh, has has a tremendous amount of quality pitfalls, and, and it's just a lot for any automotive uh, and OEM manufacturers. Interesting. Interesting. You just hit on an important point here for the fall, uh, potential labor strike at the same time that there's an, an enormous changeover from traditional, uh, you know, conventional powertrains to brand new powertrains and a whole new labor force. It's about a worst case scenario to have a, a labor situation at this point, isn't it? It, it is like, you know, it, it's the confluence of events. It's, you know, it's, it's exactly the wrong time to, to want to have one of those types of things. Again, when you think about this complexity and needing to put your best talent forward to make these products and make these products quickly. So yeah, it is, it is about the worst time for something like this to happen. How about automation? How, how is that helping alleviate some of the challenges that you just talked about? Well, it's a great, you know, it's a great uh, sort of segue into it. If you think about automation and thinking about, you know, manufacturers tend to think about automation on the shop floor, which is a great place to think about it. But you really need to think about 
automation throughout the entire life cycle of a product in the business. Um, and so certainly automating what's happening on the shop floor, making sure that you can, you know, predictable, repeatable, accurate, everything's going just as it should. You're, you know, minimizing the, the impact of error or potential for error and even, even labor. But then you kind of want to extend that up into all of your quality management processes as well. And so when you think about things like design FEMA and process FEMAs, being able to build those out and automatically cascade those down to the shop floor, it just reduces the, the potential for error. But then also driving like those, you know, we were talking about the labor shortage and potential strikes, right? Like the ability to drive detailed instructions um, automatically to not only the equipment, right? Uh, but also to the people is super important so that no matter what the tenure or skill set or skill level of the uh, operator is, you know, we have confidence that they can not only deliver the productivity we need, but also with the quality we need. And so that's really where uh, automation becomes super, super important is it just drives that operational rigor. And you can sort of, it's like a metronome, right? You can set your watch to it and any sort of uh, alleviate some of those burdens of you know, labor strikes or labor shortages. Let's look globally for a moment. What changes are being implemented for global manufacturers and how is that affecting trends going forward? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of interesting regulations, especially in the EV space um, that have come in that are really driving more traceability. And, and I was mentioning a little bit of those earlier, um, but there's a, a, a new regulation that we expect will go global. Uh, that just requires you to know exactly all of the materials that went into a battery, uh, where they came from, you know, who was using them before, uh, how they were sourced, and then likewise, what components they went into, what vehicles they went into, and then likewise, the recyclability um, and how much of the material, uh, recycled material you're using in the battery. And that's all for, you know, an EV is, is designed to uh, drive sustainability. Uh, and so if we're not uh, ethically in sourcing those materials, um, that becomes, you know, sort of counterproductive. And so that's one of the big things that's, that we see happening. Coupled with, you know, we see a lot of OEMs who are moving to more of a process FEMA and an integrated process FEMA. Uh, and so requiring that, you can't, you know, use Excel or paper anymore. You have to use a digital solution to drive that quality. Again, OEMs are still uh, trying to get that money out of their ICE vehicles so that they can fund EVs. And so using digital transformation into the supply chain to do that. Uh, and then there's sustainability, which, you know, I think is going to be a big one for uh, the automotive and manufacturing industry more broadly as we think about scope one, two and three. And those are like three macro sort of global regulation and regulatory trends that we expect are going to become more prominent in the uh, in the automotive industry over the coming years. So finally, Anthony, as we hit the fourth quarter, what are you looking at over the next series of months uh, that will be a, a key focus um, for for you and your business going forward? Yeah, we're very much focused on those three key trends, you know, really driving um, so that we can make automotive manufacturers more successful, that we can take all the ambiguity and the variability out of the process. And so we released a uh, process FEMA that complies with uh, the 16949 standard. Um, so again, globally, uh, our customers can comply with that fully digital, fully integrated. We released design FEMA. Uh, again, to make sure that you know people who have and customers who have design responsibilities all fully integrated, so design to process to execution, and then we're also really focusing on again that deep traceability, but also driving that connection and instruction to the workers. So those really guided, detailed work instructions, so that you have this connected frontline worker from 
you know, not only what's happening uh, on the shop floor and the instructions, but also what drives the metrics and then also likewise driving some of that retention so that as you get into some of these labor challenges, you've got a really strong workforce and, and a little bit more flexibility. And so um, really focusing on that and supporting that across the uh, across the globe. Wonderful. Anthony, thank you so much for sharing your view. We'll be watching with great interest as always. Yeah, I appreciate it, Jason. Thanks for the time. Thank you. That's this episode of Automotive Insiders. Remember to follow the program wherever your favorite podcast appears. And thanks again to my guest, Anthony Murphy, Vice President and Head of Product Management for the Application Group at Plex by Rockwell Automation. And thanks for listening to Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein. We'll talk to you again next time.